continue this week with the series titled Transform Your Giving. And today we pick up with Paul's letter to the Philippians. It's a familiar text. I'm going to read a portion of it and we'll see where it takes us. Paul writes, If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. May the words that we've just read, O oh Lord, capture our hearts, invigorate us with a faith that calls us out into the world, challenge us today, we ask. You're so good at it. Meet us where we are and take us to a new place that we might understand what we do, what we give differently. In Christ's name, amen. So last Sunday, if you happen to be here, you know that we started off by me asking you what might happen if we were to walk through this door? What kind of world might we find on the other side if we were to take a chance and walk through that door? And of course, we can look around it, but it's not quite the same as walking through it, is it? We used the story of Mary anointing Jesus when she poured expensive perfume and anointed him by rubbing it on his feet and how she got flack for that because it was such an expensive jar of, of perfume and she used all of it and she got some flack for you could have used it in a better way and why did you waste all of it in this one thing and we talked about how Mary seemed to give with little to no regard as to what might happen to her because of her giving. We talked about how Mary seemed to live life on the other side of this door in God's world, in that place of faith where Jesus is and invites us to come and be. But we talked about last week, and we talked about how we hesitate 
to respond to that call, how we hesitate to walk through the door, to leave this world, the world we know, the world we're comfortable with. We hesitate to do it. In our world, we like to pretend that we're in control. In our world, giving more often than not tends to be transactional. Pure economics, a matter of cost to benefit ratios, things like that. In God's world, we're not in control. In God's world, we seek the one who is in control. In God's world, giving is purely spiritual, a matter of faith matter of the heart in God's world. Over here in our world, we, we struggle to trust anyone other than ourselves. We struggle with it. Over here in our world, we struggle to give in the way that God gives. We struggle. It's as if we have one foot in each side and we're struggling with the tension of the in-between. That's what it means to be human. That's what it means to be us. And that's also the reality that Paul is trying to describe in his letter to the Philippians we read just a moment ago. This description of what feels like the coexistence of two worlds that seem to overlap and yet not this struggle we have by living on this side of the door. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Paul had this picture of a door in his mind when he cranked out this letter to the church in Philippi. What we know about that church is that Paul loved them. I mean, just thought they were the deal. Other churches probably got tired of Paul saying, well, in Philippi, they do it this way. And, you know, he loved them. I mean, he just thought they were the deal. What we also know is that they were struggling a little bit, not with anything massively huge like the Corinthians or the Galatian people, but, but something. So they weren't together. They weren't quite together. We don't know what it was, but it just wasn't. They weren't there. They weren't of one mind on, on how they were going about things, which is why Paul uses the phrase, be of one mind, in Philippians a lot. And and in our reading today. So they weren't quite together. So Paul writes to him. He writes to him. And he starts off in the first chapter before we reread. And he kicks off with the big love fest, you know, because he loves them. We all love each other. I just love you guys. And I'm in jail. And you, I love you still. And goes through all of that and, you know, butters them up. <laughs> and then he turns to him and he tells them what he wants them to do. Gives them the primary appeal of the letter. He, he says, he basically looks at him and says, now. Here's what I want you to do. Live your life worthy, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The primary appeal of the letter at the end of chapter 1. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's talking about behind the door, this side of the, you know, in our minds, it's an imaginative deal, right? This world... 
Be like that. Live your life worthy of this, what happens on the other side of of the door. And then he launches into our reading today. And really, it's hard to notice, but it's a list of things. It's a list, it's a list of a bunch of stuff. And what we miss in the English translation, that's it's there, but it's more subtle in the English. It's much more prominent, as I understand it, in the Greek, that there's this assumed phrase to follow each thing on the list. It assumes, in other words, when Paul says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, there's an assumed follow-up phrase that would say, and there is. So if I were to read it in the way that it was really supposed to be heard, it would say something like this. If there is any encouragement in, in Christ, and there is, the missing part, if there is any consolation in love, and there is, any sympathy and compassion, and there is, if there is any sharing in the Spirit, and there is. He's painting this picture. If there's any encouragement in Christ, and there is, just look through the door, you can see it. There is encouragement. That's God's world. If those things are true, then he moves back through the doorway onto our side and starts to begin to talk. If those things are true, then, therefore, do nothing out of selfish ambition, even though you can't. That's the assumed. It's not an affirmation this time. It's a negation. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, even though you can't all the time. Regard others as better than yourselves, even though you can't all the time. Look to the interests of others more than, the, than your own interests, even though you can't do that all the time either because you're living on this side of the door. And then in, as if that weren't already enough, he drops the bomb on us. The line to end all lines. Then let you have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, he says, who though he was in the form of God, and here comes the line, emptied himself. He emptied himself. That is a big that word emptied I don't know about you but that phrase grabs hold of me in a more powerful way perhaps than any other phrase in the whole of scripture he emptied himself gave until there was nothing left to give. It's the only time in the New Testament that this Greek word, kanao, is the word, is used to describe what Jesus has done. It's the only place, maybe why it grabs me so much, he emptied himself, gave unto, it draws this image up in my mind of Christ on the cross in that part where John's gospel talks to us about how the guards pierce his side and water comes gushing out it's an emptying he empties himself there's not a drop left to give nothing empty that's the image Paul wants us to have 
let me ask you. When you give to anything, to the church, you know, you give toward your pledge or toward what you give. When you give time to a cause, to, a, to anything, when you give, what's on your mind when you do it? What are you thinking typically when you give or when you're trying to decide? You know, what's, what's going on up there? Is it just transactional? I mean, is it just a, well, I've got, I've got a little extra time, so I think I'll give it over here. I've got, found a little extra money, and, you know, I, I should give. I should give it. It's extra. I should give. Is it, is it purely economic? What would happen if before you gave a penny before you lifted a finger you were to literally or figuratively get down on your knees and pull up the image of an empty Christ what would change Do you think differently about what you're doing? It's what Paul wants us to do. To be thinking of an empty Christ. Gave everything. Before we ever give a thing. For him it was deeply spiritual. Practical things are important too. Numbers are important. Planning is important. And we are in the middle of our 2018 campaign, you know. So you're getting videos by email and letters and all of that. It's important. No doubt. And I want to take a moment to talk about some practical things for a minute. If you've gotten the letter, you know that our current proposed budget for next year is 2.8 million. It's a big number. A little over half of it is you. A little over half of that income is giving. It's you. The rest of it is the school income and some other income that the church receives through various things. But over half of it's you. Which means, as always, this is true in any church every year. Any church, in any land, any street corner you want to point to, any church, it's true. It requires every single one of us in order to make it happen. In order to make next year happen, it requires every single one of us, every single time. You may also know, most of you know, that we're letting go of a portion of our campus to our neighbor back in the woods there. They're a wonderful family, by the way. They have been phenomenal people, and they have said the same of us. It's been a good, we're good neighbors. And that's let, we're letting go of that at December 27th, and it took about 50 million times longer than we thought 
it would take, you know. You think, what, 30 days, maybe 40, you know. No, you've got to go to the city. Well, you've got to go to the city to even pick your nose, you know. It's going to take three months to do that. So it just took a long time. Replatting, we got to get exceptions to this or that, and you know. And so December 27th is when it's happening. And, the, and you need to know the finance committee has been continuing in their dialogue around exactly what to do with that income along with the session. And they're going to approve eventually. And you've helped. Your input has changed that conversation a little bit. And the conversation currently is for all of it to go towards debt, short-term and long-term. And to right the ship, in other words, since we moved out here, those of you who moved out here know that we've struggled since doing that. It's just been a struggle. And this is and may be God's way of saying to us, I'm going to help you right the ship. We're going to end up in a much healthier financial position, but it will take every single one of you and me to ensure that that continues. So there's that. The next thing, I want, last thing I want to talk about is, is staff. Staff are important to a church. Who you have on staff, how much staff you have. Churches need more staff now than they did 30 years ago to do the exact same amount of things that we did 30 years ago. More, more of your work, there's more people working than there used to be, and it's less, you've got to compensate that with staff, so you need more staff. And what I want you to know is that this staff has worked extremely hard these past few years to work more closely together. And we are working at our, we are doing the best work together now, better work now than we've done in quite some time. We get each other. And that is a blessing. And you need to know it because you don't always see it. Just come sit in the middle of the office. We'll think you're weird, but that's okay. And watch us. It's a fun place that also does great ministry. And I just want to highlight our staff really quick. Ellen Dittman is our is associate pastor for congregational care. It's a three-quarter time position. The people can stand and they're around, stand and wave, and yeah, they'll be where they are. And she is, she helps put together things like today. All Saints Luncheon after this that is powerful for all kinds of people who come to that. It's a powerful, takes a lot of coordinating. And she deploys, I use this word, no one corrected me after nine. So she deploys the, the deacons. <laughs> and and they, they do amazing care. We don't always get it right. Sometimes someone gets missed and it's so we hate it because we're so good at it when we they do a, I'll give you a, when, when you're going through a hard time, the deacons are going to show up. Because Ellen and I can't visit everybody who just can't. If we know about it, right. Thank you. So tell us. She's also putting new energy into improving our hospitality. If someone comes in the building, how they're welcomed. And into helping all of us feel more connected to the church family. And we are just now beginning to see the fruits of that work. But we need that position in order to help make those things happen. Megan Sanders. She, there she is. Director of Mission and Outreach. She just started this position this year. And those of you who have been around are like, all right, well, I don't even know where Megan is anymore. Is she, what does she do? She's changed jobs 
she is really excited about this work, and she has helped not only begin to strengthen our relationship with Austin Street, a long-held mission of ours down in Dallas, but in, alongside that, and even more importantly right now, I think, growing our missional presence out here in the community where we are. We feel really strong, we strongly called to grow our missional presence out here. Our partnership with Auto Middle School across the street. Mentoring program. Tell her if you want to be a mentor. We, we need mentors always. Um, it's brand new. Our work with Gateway of Grace and welcoming refugee families. They're out here in our area and we are, want to be a good neighbor to them. Not only on Easter weekend but throughout the year when they have babies and you know need things and we have teams working on it. You want to help do that? Let her know. We got It's growing ministry. Work with VIP, Boo on Ballard, just, the, just to be a present in the community in Wiley. It was brand new this year, and it was a lot of fun. Down in Malawi is a big part of our international work, and if you ever feel called to go, we can help pay for it, by the way, because it's not a cheap trip. And so much more. But we need this position in order to grow our mission. David Hayes, Jordan, DeRuin, Joshua Hughes, Carolyn Dirks. And if y'all see Carolyn Dirks, I forgot to say Carolyn at 9. Tell her, I, tell her I, meant to, I did say it at 11. I just forgot her name. They are all, they do work with our children's choirs, our youth choirs, our handbells. We have multiple choirs. You don't see them all the time because they show up at different. All the work they do enhances the life of this church and reaches out into the community in ways that you don't always see. And we need them. We need them. Not to mention Ida and Pam and Joyce, our support people. Beverly Overdorf, our finance person, which if I was going to give money to anyone, it'd be her. I would trust her with my life. She's awesome. And Jean Lazinski and Nick and McConan, our custodial staff. We need every single one of them if we are going to move into these next few years as a congregation. It is vital, vital. And I want to make sure you're just aware where we are. What I'm getting at is we have positioned people in the right places to put energy on the right things. And there's one left, I almost forgot, the empty chair with the little robe <laughs> We're searching for an associate pastor for discipleship in play. And that person will come in and work with Laura Martinez, who's already doing an excellent job with our youth, Emily Espinosa, who is still learning and putting a lot of fun energy into her work with the children's ministry. And we need someone to come in and help strengthen that area of the life of the church and also challenge us with what playfulness as a Christian means and why it's vital to our faith, as well as dialogue around issues of our day that we really want to try to capture we haven't been able to do much of. Equip us for service out into the world. The Associate Pastor Search Committee is getting closer and closer. They hope to bring you someone within the next few months, but it's God's timing, not ours, but they're talking to great people. But we need that position. We need it. If we are going to move into these next few years, and we need you, you need to get behind it. 100% support. That's our goal. Now, numbers are important. Practical things are important. 
But I want to finish by saying to you, I have become convinced that numbers aren't the most important thing. I've become convinced, in fact, that if we were to spend a little less time on the numbers and spend a little more time trying to discern what we believe God is calling us to do with our giving, then the numbers will work out. If we were to spend more time following in the example of the generosity of Jesus Christ, the one who emptied himself out for all of us, then God will take care of the rest. And we just might find ourselves on the other side of the door. You're not going to grow much if you stay right where you are and remain comfortable. So, get uncomfortable. Invite the image of an emptied Christ into your heart, into your soul, and see what happens. Allow God to transform your giving. Amen.